Hi everyone, welcome to This Corona Life, a podcast exploring the experiences of an amazing group of people, some of which you may know, others you won't, and the effect the coronavirus has had on their lives and will continue to have moving forward. My name is Richard Graham. You'll hear me at times in the interviews being referred to as Titch. It's a nickname I've had since I was about two. I don't mind. I like it. You know, what do you do? Now, in compliance with social distancing and lockdown rules, these interviews had to take place over the phone, so some are a better quality than others. And again, what do you do? I was interested in trying to talk to a really diverse and unique group of people. I intentionally asked them all very similar questions because I wanted to gauge and compare their responses. Their work and personal lives have nothing in common, but would their responses to a common threat? I was really heartened and fascinated with the optimism and determination and how that has changed and will continue to change their lives. So during the series, you'll be hearing from an inspirational Indigenous leader in the field of education of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island children, a very well-known singer-songwriter who is a fan favourite on our national radio station, Triple J, a couple of CEOs whose decisions in these uncertain times affect a lot of people, a fabulous couple who run a regional bakery that has had to deal with two unprecedented crises in the last few months, remember the bushfires, a current Australian representative rugby league player, one of Australia's most successful playwrights, the list goes on. But to begin, I was personally fascinated and intrigued by the hotel lock-up situation. It just seemed odd, bizarre that people were being forced into that situation having done nothing wrong. I wanted to know what the whole process was like. And then I heard about a brother and sister who were both overseas in separate countries doing what a lot of young people do. Then the call came and they had to return and were forced into a pretty ordinary little hotel room for 14 days. By pure coincidence, they were in separate rooms in the same hotel. We all know why that happened and so did they. And they accepted that. But let's walk in their shoes for a minute. To put this in perspective, especially for our international listeners, the Australian summer holidays are in December and January and most of us would normally have two beautiful weeks holiday going wherever the hell we like and doing whatever the hell we want. Imagine then those two beautiful weeks in one room where you can't even go into the hallway outside your room. How would that be? Well, I can tell you. Let me introduce you to Georgina and then Nick Sindel. Good morning. Hi Georgie, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm <laughs> probably better than you, but uh, <laughs> can you can you tell us where you are right now? I am in the travel lodge on Wentworth Avenue in Sydney in an extremely small room. <laughs> and probably <laughs> getting smaller by the day, I would imagine. Yeah, the walls do feel like they're closing in a bit. So, so, so you've gone into the um, enforced fourteen-day hotel quarantine lockdown. Yeah. Now, is there anyone else you know in the hotel lockdown? Yes, my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Your brother's in there as well. I mean, that's bizarre. So you were. Both in separate places doing separate things and then you've both found yourself thrown into the same hotel. Yeah, which is really interesting because there's so many different hotels that are open for this um, 
mandatory quarantine. However, we seem to end up in the in the most budget, I'd it, say. That's ah, oh, that's <laughs> of the So up until March or early April, what were you doing? I was working in London. Um, been working there for almost two years, so I made it to twenty-two months. And it just got to a point where my company had said, "Oh, you probably need to go home because it's looking like." They're going to be grounding all commercial flights. Yeah, but but when did things really change for you over there? Can you remember a moment when things started to get a little very serious in the sense that you know we're going to have to ask you to do something that you don't want to do? Was there a were you called or summoned somewhere? Yeah, so it all happened very quickly. I was called by one of my partners, um, and I was sitting doing work because we've been working from home for about three weeks already doing very well at my social distancing and I got a call and he just sounded, you know, a little bit ominous and he said, um, bad news, basically, your comment couldn't be extended as we sort of expected back in December. Um, so it will mean you have to go straight away. And he said, I've booked you on a flight tomorrow at 9am. And They've booked you on a flight, <laughs> right. So that's got a, yeah. that's, that's got to send a bit of a sort of, um, Shiver through the spine, yeah. going, Jesus, what do I do now? Yeah, yeah, I was actually on loudspeaker with my housemates in the room as well. Um, and they both looked at me in absolute shock and was like, What just happened? So you just had yeah. to get everything, throw everything into a bag, uh, contact clients and say, Look, funny thing just happened. Um, I've, got, I've got to go. Yeah, so I haven't done the whole contact client thing. I've, I've spoken, the ones I've spoken to on the phone, I've told them. But while I've been in mandatory quarantine, time doesn't really matter. So I've been working in UK hours. Oh, really? There? <laughs> yeah, I've just been like logging on late at night and then working until sort of there 3 p.m. Um, and just doing the work as normal. And then now that I have more clarity over when I'm actually finished my, finishing my contract in the UK, I'll keep working up until that date and then... At least I can do my handovers and things. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're still you're still working with your UK clients yeah, and colleagues, yeah. and yeah. do you swap back? I mean, do you have? It sounds like an awful thing to ask, but do you have a job here when the UK contract, you know, ceases? I do. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> which is why I'm here. Right. Because um, that's the promise of the secondment. Normally, is that you know you have the job to come back to when you come back to your home country. But I haven't yet received my contract, so I'm a little bit concerned. Oh, well, fingers um, crossed there, yeah. <laughs> nice. But did, yeah. You, did they give you lots of, I mean, you, you knew what was, was happening, but did you get uh, warnings and a lot of uh, information about what was going to happen when you hit the ground in Sydney? Well, no, not really. But when we hit the ground in Sydney, we stayed on the tarmac for a really long time. And then the Australian biosecurity team came on and gave us information. Right. And then so they gave us all the paperwork that said, okay, this is what you'll be going through. You'll get your temperature tested. You'll be moved into an orderly line. And then you'll all get on buses and you'll all go to these hotels. Um, and that was basically it. We didn't really have any more information. Oh, because I, I was going to ask you whether you were just <laughs> frog-marched through customs by, you know, various uh, officials or whatever, but they let you stand in your lines, but they did they have people everywhere just casting an eye over you as you were doing, do, you know, going, doing all that sort of stuff, the customs and, and passport checks and stuff like that? Yeah, that was 
sort of normal. The only people were making the only people there were making sure you were just maintaining a safe distance between everybody. Right. Um, and you, when you handed over your passport, like they were wearing gloves and everything like that. But it was all just a very normal process of that. It was just more the queuing. You just had to maintain a distance. Um, we did snake all the way through Sydney Airport to get our temperature tested. Like duty free was shut. It was all very eerie. I think that's the weirdest I've ever seen in the airport. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a lot of there's a lot of eeriness, you know, about the place. As well as you would know, looking out your window, I imagine. But but did you did they just put you all into a bus and they say right oh we're off to the hotel um and so no one could you know escape for want of a better term. Yeah, well we were, we were marched onto the bus by military police, border security. It was all very proper. Um, I was the first on the bus and I got on and I was like, well, I wonder how many people are going to put on the bus and that sort of thing. There was about 20 of us. Um, they didn't tell us which hotel we were going to or anything. We pulled up outside the travel lodge and I was like, here oh, we go. <laughs> great. You're hoping share it on home. the park or something or the you know, park hired, <laughs> yeah. but here we go. Uh, but that's, you know, so so they get you, did you see your family? Were they, were they out? Well, we know your brother was probably in lockdown at that stage, but Mum and Dad, anyone you know there to see you, or you just onto the bus where you go, keep in touch with them no, by phone. No, onto the bus where you go. Yeah, you're not allowed to see anyone. So, <laughs> oh wow. So during the day there, what's a typical day? What do you? I've seen some photos of <laughs> the food and stuff <laughs> like that. But what do you? What do you do for the the whole um, day? I honestly don't know what I've been doing because the internet doesn't really work. So I haven't been watching anything really on TV. I've watched some daytime TV. Um, the internet then, doesn't work. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I got my friend to deliver me a, um, a 4G SIM on my second day here because I got so frustrated. Yeah. So, but, but food, do you, are you allowed to at least, you know, live it up a little bit on that front? Do you, you know, order in a club sandwich every 30, 40 minutes? <laughs> Nick, Nick's been ordering some KFC and McDonald's. He's been living no. it up. Um, <laughs> and dad were actually able to bring a delivery, a care package. So they bought a bunch of fruit and some salads and things like that. And I got Alan's Red Frogs yesterday, so I was very oh, happy. That's... A whole pack of those. And, but do you get a choice? Do you sort of say, oh, yes, I'll no. have this. So that's it. You eat that or um, – Yeah. Wow. Okay. So if you had sort of eating, you know, issues or dietary requirements, do they get – or you just have your Red Frogs and your salad, get that into you sort of thing? <laughs> Well, um, on day one, I quickly realised that every meal was going to be a sandwich. And so I said, I'm gluten-free, which is a lie. Um, and then it kind of bit me in the foot because <laughs> they then gave me gluten-free bread. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn it. No, I have gluten-free um, people I... in the family. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> you might have to rethink um, that. You might have to say, yeah. I've actually come out of the gluten-free thing well, now. I'm ready to go with, again. With Exactly. Well, the police are waving from waving at me on the street. <laughs> what? Oh, um, right. So you've got the you've got the boys outside the uni- uniforms, yeah. and are yeah. they have they been good to you? You know, like they're friendly, or because they probably don't want to be there either. They always look very happy. They're always playing games. Um, they look pretty <laughs> bored, to be honest. Oh, wouldn't you be? I mean, you know, standing guard outside of 
I mean, do they, do they have them on each floor? You said your brother's on the 17th floor, but just so that do they have a copper on each floor or something patrolling or is it just secured, hotel I security? I don't think they're police. They're just guards. Like, I think they're maybe hired by the hotel. Right. We do have guards on every floor. They're wearing like a uniform, but they're not policemen. Right. <laughs> I did. I had a bit of a giggle looking at your Instagram um, in terms of <laughs> yeah, the things you've got up to, but with exercise. I was very impressed, Georgie, with... Uh, <laughs> screenshot of your steps last year like it was around 10,000 steps a day last year which is amazing congratulations but can you tell everyone your average steps for the last couple of weeks it's been a hundred a day a hundred a day it's honestly awful so (laughs) like I probably do slightly more considering I don't you know hold my phone the entire time what do you mean but, you do slightly more than a hundred? I mean that's just going to the bathroom a couple of times a day. But that's so. So why wouldn't they organise something? You know, like I wonder. You know, like all right, you can take the stairs up to the roof or something. There's is that not an option for you? No, and I just wish we could open the window, but we can't. Oh, you can't open the window. Of course, you can't open the window. You think this is no. utopia? No, um, I know. What happens then when they unlock the front door? And when is that, by the way? When are you released? It's kind of unclear. I So you do 14 days but 13 nights. So I came in on Tuesday, so I think I'm out on Monday. And basically they just gave us a loudspeaker announcement yesterday that said, you will be visited by a medical professional on the day before your departure they will do a medical test and give you a wristband to allow you to leave. And then you can leave at midnight on the day of your departure. So if, if I'm leaving on Monday, I'll be able to leave on Sunday at midnight, basically. Midnight. <laughs> and so when you say loudspeaker, does that come over the whole hotel? Attention, everybody, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. really spooky, isn't it? Well, look, I mean, it, have you thought about um, what you're going to do, the first thing? Oh, I want to see my dog walking. Yeah. I want to go outside. Just be. I, it's a really weird thing, but I can see it's raining outside, and I really just want to be able to smell this rain. Is that weird? It's no, really weird I think thing. it's no. I just think <laughs> I it's. I can't smell anything, or yeah, I just haven't seen fresh air since London, and that's not necessarily the freshest of air. No, but it's <laughs> a really interesting insight because up until now, people just hear statistics. They see that, okay, there's a, over 5,000 travellers that are in lockdown, but each traveller is, you know, there's a, a, a unique story and it's, it's hard, it's tricky. But look, I, I have done some sums for you um, as well, George, because I know if you've done about 200 steps a day and you're normally <laughs> doing um, 10,000, so uh, you need to catch up about 9,800 steps a day for 14 days. So you've got 137,200 steps to go. Oh, dear. So when you're I'm released, why don't you just – you'd better run home when you're released, you know. It's – oh, yeah. God. You've had a lot of time in there, I guess, to contemplate stuff. Maybe you haven't, but, you know, you've got a lot of time. You've got to be doing something, I guess. Do you think anything's going to change for you – going forward personally or professionally? Well, personally, my life has changed because I wasn't intending to come back to Australia this soon. Um, you know, I had lots of plans to stay in the UK and do things there and then 
um, you know, I want to go travelling and things like that. So that's obviously going to be put on hold. It's almost like 2020 is going to be a year, a bit of like pause. Um, but in terms of working arrangements, I think, you know, if once we sort of get out of this where they start opening the offices again, I think it's going to be much more normal to be able to work from home and things because they've realised out of this that it is very easy and people still do their work and people are still productive at home. Like, well, it's great that you have a job balance. have a job to go yeah. to as well, which is, you know, a lot of people don't, so that is fantastic. When, would, they, would they be happy for you to – well, I guess we're in sort of – not lockdown, but they're sort of saying six months, aren't they, for – social distancing and all that sort of thing. And I wonder if that means you have to work at home for that long. Yeah, probably. They'll probably want to keep people away from the office because, you know, the employer themselves wouldn't want to be responsible for opening an office or advising something that then causes an issue. Yeah. Um, so they'll definitely keep this flexibility. So do you go home? As long as possible. Do, do you go home to, you know, parents and that sort of thing, which is probably weird as well? Yeah, yes. Going back home and my sister and my brother and my mum and my dad are all going to be living together under the same roof, which hasn't been like that for about six years since I was in year 12. <laughs> um, and we're all a lot bigger. We're all a lot more independent. So Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna, maybe I'll call you in a couple of weeks and see how that's gone. You know, that, um... Maybe this. Maybe this is actually going to be an easier experience than being at home. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Don't tell them I've that. I've got though. myself to worry about here. One of the things I admire about your generation is that you're very um, creative and innovative and, and you can find the positives out of things. And I want to try and focus on some positives here, <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't even know if you're able to do that yet, given where you are and what you've gone through. But do you do you have a level of optimism about the future and, and your own part in it? It, it is, it's a really difficult question. I saw Bill Gates release some thoughts about, about this um, and I guess the, the main uh, theme was appreciating the small things and I do think that's something that's going to come out of it because like me, for example, I'm going to appreciate fresh air which is something I never really would have thought of and like there's people who appreciate their families and, you know, having to live together and work together and all that's going to change the way people do it. And I think it's going to be difficult for a lot of families because, you know, if there's six people constantly on top of each other and normally you would have half a day away from each other and you come home and you say, what did you do today? And you have that conversation. Yeah. It's going to be very – it's probably very difficult now because even with my housemates, we got to a point where we're like, how is today? Oh, yep. I know I was with you all day. You sort of you lose that ability to have a conversation with people you live with all the time. So, so there's um, the level of tolerance is there, and um, understanding that you have to, I guess, develop to be able to. Yeah, exactly. Be in the same room yeah. as as people that yeah. you know and love, obviously yeah. with family, but it's a different set of circumstances. So, I guess yeah. we'll all be learning. There's lots of things people saying. You know, the virus knows no boundaries. You know. Boris Johnson has gone down with the virus. It's not something that, you know, hasn't needs a passport to cross boundaries and things like that. So um, I think people are realising now that, you know, you just need to appreciate small things in life and you're never going to be, I don't know, immune from whatever's around the corner. There does seem to be um, an acceptance. I was going to ask this of you when there was the, an initial release of people or the first release of people from hotel lockdown and they were interviewing them and, and I looked at an article on the ABC uh, news website and they said that 
they understood why it was done, but thought that it was ill con- an ill-conceived plan, poorly executed. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's very right because um, I think they've got the medical staff here and everything, and they call you once a day and they say, "Are you how are you feeling today?" Which is all fine and dandy if you're saying, "Yep, yeah, I feel fine." But as soon as I said one day I was not feeling very well, like I think I was like getting tonsillitis or something like that, and they were just like, "Oh, okay." Um, you know, you have something to take in your room, like Panadol. I was like, yes, I do. I'm like, okay. I was like, I just really want some fresh air or something like that. But the problem is the medical staff have no power to do anything. Right. So even if you, you say you're like, you know, having a panic attack in your room, they can't do anything. That's what the problem is because I think there's a lot of people in here who probably mentally, you know, shouldn't be in a confined space for a long period of time. Um, and they have no, taken no consideration um, for for how people might cope in these sort of scenarios and, and taking people's different, you know, mental health into play in, in doing this. Of course. Um, I know, like, particularly with regards to food, it was pretty awful the first week. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, so clearly the, the hotel had just been thrown into this by the government and didn't have time to plan either. So I don't know what they used to do the catering, but then, when they got a new catering company, it's just been a lot better. So I guess after a week, they were able to get through some of those teething issues. But yeah, I guess I didn't really think through how this would affect people's mental health. I think that's going to be the biggest thing out of it. Is, you know, people locked up in rooms. I know there's two do- two or three doors down, only because I'm part of a Facebook group of the of the hotel. There's um a mother and like two a couple and their two year old son all in the same room and they're right. finding it like extremely difficult because they've got the same size room as me and I'm finding it small and they've got three of them in there. So And they don't seem to know. be able to make um, decisions on this on the run in the sense that, okay, you know, we had to get people in rooms, but let's quickly look at what the feedback is from them and see if we can make some changes to yeah. ease the discomfort or, or, or whatever. It, that seems yeah. to be the thing. And hindsight's always a good teacher, but, you know, we're in the middle of it. Let's do some things now. And, uh, yeah. But, look, it, it does sound as though you've, you, you're at least um, well and good as can be at this stage and pr- obviously looking forward to a bit of fresh air and, and getting out. I really appreciate your time, George. It's been a great insight to what it's like rather than it being a number in the paper or on the news a person telling what's happened. So I look forward to catching up with you um, when you get out. Hopefully we'll have another chat and make sure you and your family yeah. are all surviving. But now that I yeah. know that your brother's just up the hallway or up a few floors, I've got to give him a call. I've got to find out what what the family situation is. But, George, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No, thank you, Tits. Yeah, it was good to speak to you. Okay, speak <laughs> soon. Stay well. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bizarre. So brother and sister in the same hotel, coincidentally, from travelling. See if I can grab him. Hello. Is that you, Nick? That is me, Nick. Is that Titch? It is. How are you, mate? How you going? Yeah, I'm good. Just woke up. You just woke up, I suppose. Yeah, what time is it? 10.30. Yeah, you'd be right, wouldn't you? Do you have a bit of a routine there, or what do you do? Uh... No, otherwise it gets too boring. Just wing it. <laughs> well, when so both you and your sister in a hotel lockdown. I just had a chat 
her. Mm. I mean, it'd be funny if it wasn't so serious, you know, that, that sort of oh. both of you um, yeah. being in the same <laughs> yeah, hotel. Mean, Serious, yeah, but you've got to laugh, you know. Like it's like <laughs> it's just been such a weird, absurd, strange experience that, like, yeah, while it's been really difficult being stuck in this room, um, it's you, know, you can only you can only laugh really. Well, yeah, I mean, it's great that you can because a lot of people probably can't, and that's where there's probably some issues. That's, but and that's what I've been saying. Like, I'm getting a lot of messages from people being like, "Oh, so you know, I'm so sorry that you." And I'm like, seriously, I'm. 25 i've got my guitar my laptop um you know my phone uh and and i'm in a and i'm in a room for two weeks it's really not that bad but there are people out there with i saw this this lady on the news the other morning she had two young boys and they're in one room together and she's being chewed out by the today show lady for complaining you know like for complaining about the situation that she's in like imagine if you were stuck in here with two little kids or you had or you had, you know, some kind of anxiety or anything, really. Yeah. And they yeah. don't take that into account. So I had um, in my room, They, I think George probably might have told you, they don't let us open the windows. Right. But they've got, like, latches on them. So they're obviously windows that were designed originally to be open, but now there's a building code that says that they can't open the windows in this building. What, not at all? But, it's know, not even, you can't not even? at all. Right. And then they've said, you know, you can't leave your room either. And I'm like, I've just come from Banff where I'm like in fresh mountain air for 10 months. And I saw, you know, it gets a bit stuffy. And so I was like, oh, I just want to get this window open. And so I cracked, I use like a bar blade, like my, like my bottle opener to sort of twist one of the latches a little bit. And yeah. I managed to get the window open. And it wasn't busted per se. It was a bit damaged. But um, anyway, they've obviously seen from below that I had my window open. So right. I had the manager and two cops stormed into my room yesterday gone wait we need to look at your window oh really reports that people, we've had yeah we've had reports of people opening opening their windows and i was like oh well look i'll be honest my, my window is open um but i didn't i didn't forcefully open it it was i, I just turned the latches and it was open sort of, sort yeah of yeah and, like, and they were like well well look i can see that one of these locks is broken um so we're gonna have to charge you for replacing the locks and for opening the window oh god and i'm like are you kidding me like you you, you didn't tell us that we Firstly, that we weren't even allowed to open the window, and then now you're telling me that it's cost eighty dollars per lock to replace. Like it's yeah, it's that kind uh, of it's that kind of ridiculousness. That yeah, well, it's it's uh, it's all a bit of a you know suck it and see type situation, isn't it? With they seem to be throwing yeah. people in and then making rules up after they've after the fact. Um, and, exactly, and, yeah, and everyone's they a bit. Been a, yeah, but t- look, they haven't let- been able to consider what, how it affects different different kinds of people. So exactly. Yeah, as you say, as you say, they play it by ear. They, they every from each complaint they get, then they respond. And yeah, so it's kind of it's a bit of a mess. I mean, it's you know, for you and and me, you know, throw give you a, a guitar, lock you in a room. Yeah, okay, we'll we'll just make make do. You know, that's um, I'm yeah. happy. That, but a, yeah, most no. people probably wouldn't be. But walk me back. Where where were you before you ended up there? Yeah, so I was in um, Banff, Canada. Right. Uh, been there for, what, 10 months, living, working. I uh, went over to do the ski season and stuff. Uh, and then I think we were, what, we had about three months left in the season. Everything's going along nicely. And then this all sort of starts happening. And I was a bit slower. I was a bit slower getting out. A lot of people sort of were on flights within, you know, three or four days. But by the time we were getting on that flight, I think it was two days before, that they announced that we'd be going into the 
hotels when we arrived. Oh no! So you missed the yeah. Deadline. Which we at that point we were kind of like, oh, that's not so bad, you know. We got a hotel, or chill out. But then we didn't realize <laughs> it. It was like, no, no, no. You can't even leave your room. You can't go outside, like anything like that. Because I was like, oh, hotel, you know, it's got a pool, it's got a gym. Got yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Chill out you in the bar or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go chips out the bar, meet other people who have been traveling as well. It'd just be like being at a hostel <laughs> overseas, you know. Um, but yeah, they, but it wasn't. The only people I've seen are the the managers. The managers that stormed in my room yesterday. Yes, stormed in. Well, maybe that's a good way to meet people. Just start busting things. No, don't. That's not. I'm not recommending that at all. So when you came in there, uh, you came in at a different time to Georgie, your sister. So, but you yeah, ended up in the a, same hotel. It, you didn't, you yeah, haven't seen I her, I don't day, suppose. I think I was the day before her. Right. Um, and they're obviously just filling each hotel as they go. So they might have, I think there was sort of two or three days of filling hotels before we arrived. Um, and then, yeah, I think they were just filling them as they go. So as people get off the planes, they stick them on a bus, that bus goes to the hotel. When that hotel's full, they go to another one. So I've got two other friends who just come back from Guatemala and they're at the uh, Radisson Blue in, uh, in in the city there near um, right on Hunter on Hunter Street in, in the Sydney. Yeah, I know. So you get, they get the Radisson. Was that yeah, just the Radisson? That's the luck just of the draw. Just, just pure chance. Yeah. God. So, so yeah. <laughs> can you at least smash the mini bar when you're there? Well, yeah. They, they, they've they said we weren't allowed to get alcohol delivered. Um, but I think most people sort of blew up being like, well, I'm not going to pay $8.50 for your Carlton Dries yeah. out of the bar or $18 for a 300ml bottle of Giesen. Yeah. So um, they've sort of laxed that a little bit and Dad's, Dad's just been dropping off beers every now and then. I did hear a funny story about your dad trying to bring you a few beers the other day. And yeah, and they went, and it was eight beers and they go, oh, we can't have them, we can't have them uh, drinking to excess. And I've gone... I'm just kind of <laughs> living in a mountain town for ten months. I can put away. Eight I'm piss fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what? What did they? Did they? <laughs> did they say no? Nah, you can't give him that many or something? They just said we'll. <laughs> they said we'll bring him three now, and then we'll bring him three three tomorrow or like something like that. You know, they just they staggered them. So they just got, they just bought me three at a time instead of bringing me all eight beers. Is that right? Because. <laughs> Can't trust you, mate. That's what... can't, can't trust me to get drunk in my room and break my window open, you know? Yeah, well, that, that was the thing. That was done sober. So imagine what you'd do with a couple under your belt, Nick. That's going to be the problem they're thinking about. So, <laughs> so but how do you keep yourself occupied there? Um, yeah, it's not easy. You've got your guitar. Uh, we know that. But, you know, that's... A... That, you know, that only goes so far. Um, uh, just, I'm just... every I, I, get, I get pretty restless. I'm not a big, like... I can sit down and watch movies, but I I, I like to do other stuff while I'm doing it. You know, I might be on my phone or I might be exercising. So I just sort of have to just keep getting up, do some push-ups or do some, do some squats or something like that, just keep moving. Uh, and then I've got I've got a couple of books as well. And then I've just been eating. Yeah, I don't know. It's just sort of my thing's been not having a routine. Yeah. But you know, like it's just kind of. Yeah. But you're you're <laughs> in a finding little things to do. Little things to do in about a whatever it is forty square meter, you know, space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I was I was talking to George. Oh, look, I was talking to George. Um, yeah. uh, just before, and and one of her screenshots on her Instagram is her steps she took per day last year, which is about ten thousand, amazingly, and yeah. she's she's down to like hundred and fifty steps at the moment. Yeah. 
which even 150 is pretty impressive. Oh, so you you wouldn't you wouldn't have you wouldn't have cracked a ton yet per day, 100 steps, just to. <sighs> oh, it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably not. From bed to couch to bathroom, back to couch to fridge to couch, maybe. <laughs> and and whilst that sounds a bit sort of you know whatever amusing fun, but 14 days of that is um you know it's just it seems. Yeah, absurd. I think at the start I was like, at the start I was like, oh, this, this isn't too bad. It's pretty, pretty relaxed. I was living in, in Banff. I was in a share house with twelve other people. So it was sorry, what? Twelve like, other people? Did you 12, say twelve other people? Yeah. So I was in like a, a six room house, and we each we each had like a shared bedroom. Right. Um, it was an absolute a bit of a party house. Um, so, but you know, it's very social kind of, there's always people there. So as soon as I came here, I was like, Ooh, it's actually quite nice. Yeah, it's, it's quite quiet. Yeah. Yeah. But then after, yeah, after a few days, then I'm like, all right, now I want that back again. Now <laughs> I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be yeah. able to, you know, go out and do stuff. I mean, um, you know, just... I read on the uh, ABC news website where a lockdown person was released and, and they said they understood why that they had to go into lockdown and that thing, but they said it was an ill-conceived plan, poorly executed. Would you agree yeah, with that? Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm, I was the same. I was like, look, this is really good that they're doing this, um, but too little, too late, in my opinion. I know it's not. It's easy to say, uh, you know, with that with that cruise ship mainly, with with letting that two and a half thousand people on that inc- on that disease incubator get off in the middle of the city, yeah, and then have. And you know, and and not have, and, and you know, tell them to go and self isolate when when none of them are going to go and do that if you just tell them to do it. You know, they should have been more forceful. They should have they should have got them off the cruise ship straight away. It's that kind of thing. And then for and then to then say that the people that were coming back late that they've now got to go in a hotel. Whereas when I was traveling back, I was on a we were we everyone had their own row, so there were so few people on the flight. Everyone had their own row. Yeah. There was full on social distancing um, measures in the airports. So you were never closer than two meters to even a mem- member of staff. Yeah. So in fact, my sort of, and everyone was wearing masks. So my theory was like, in fact, flying now is probably the best time to be flying because all the measures are in place. Yeah. Whereas all the people that flew back in the weeks before, you know, racing back from Whistler and Aspen, all the families who did, who just got told to self isolate and then didn't. You know, they got told, oh, you're going to stay home for two weeks. And then they all just went about their li- their lives normally. And they were the ones that sort of, those were the ones that would have been at most risk because they're on full flights going through airports. And yeah. then they've just come back and then they've just been going about their, going about their days normally. So yeah. I think there's, from what I've heard, because, you know, they, they're sort of doing the, the daily, oh, this is how many cases we've got. I've been keeping up with it. There's only, since, since I've been in this hotel, which is like 12 days now, there's only been one case come out of the hotels. Right. So there's been one mother and her and her and her son um, come out of the hotel with uh, with, with coronavirus, and they'd come back from Jakarta or something. And that's not and your so hotel, that's, though. That was another one, and wasn't that's it? Not my hotel. Yeah. Hotel. No, I read about so that. So that's yeah. out of the thousands of people that came. Yep. So that's what I mean. Is like, in fact, we were we you know those people that were coming back on those empty flights. We were fine. We shouldn't technically. We should have been the ones that were, you know not locked up so aggressively it should have been the, the ones that were in those situations where they were most likely going to get it but obviously no one really knew you know what the situation was going to be like and i think as you said yes this was a it was a it was, a, it was a, probably a good idea but it was done in such a short period of time that yeah. there was just no time to properly plan out how it would work so you can probably now see the light at the end of the lockup tunnel when are you 
released. Yeah, I'm out on Sunday. I'm Sunday. So Sunday. I've got yeah today and tomorrow and the last two full days. So what? Uh, what have you got anything in mind? Is there? What's the first thing? Do you know what you're going to be doing? Oh, well, we can't really do much, can we? Well, you can I'm, get more than th- you get more than three beers, Nick. That's for sure. If you want. Well, to. yeah. <laughs> Might get stuck in. Um, no, look. To be honest, I'm actually just really looking forward to um, going out and taking a little walk down through there. You know, the uh, Two Creeks track down in the down in the bush yeah, there. Yeah. Just to just to get just to get out, yeah. experience it. Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah, and you know, I've been out of the mountains for so long. It'd be nice to be back in the Aussie bush for a little. So yeah, I'm actually really keen to probably just get Rocky or the, the dog and <laughs> go for a stroll. Around. Poor old Rocky's going to have that. The hell walked out of him over the next uh, few weeks. Oh, yeah. I think when Georgie gets back <laughs> yeah. as well, it's yeah, it's funny that you every, every dog in Australia wants. The yes, they've had a gutful. <laughs> um, and, and I guess it's um, it's you don't miss something till it's taken from you. It's it's sort of exactly um, yeah. In that in that sense, you've had a lot of time to sit down and contemplate about stuff since you've been in the room mm. there. Do you? Is anything going to change for you? Do you think going forward, personally, professionally, whatever? Um, I have realized it's probably, it's probably more important to have more skills, sort of employable skills yeah. than just, than just what you know, because you realize how fickle some industries are. So, you know, my, my sort of, my areas in marketing and I was doing some advertising before I went over to Banff and that, that agency that I was working for fuel is probably going to have to cut half their staff because it's one of those industries, which is it's quite non-essential and so as soon as everything slows down that's one of the first things that people go all right we don't need to be spending money there yes on marketing yes you know we need to be spending money on you know on our, we need to make sure our finances are okay and then yeah so that was sort of one thing i sort of realized i was going back to sydney but my my experience is not gonna is not going to get me a job here because there's just not going to be anything going in that area yeah um so i'll have to rely more on just like my you know interpersonal and just just sort of just the fact that I've got a degree and so I was like I wouldn't mind just having some more more t- technical trade skills yeah the only other last thing I was, I was this whole thing has sort of made me realize is just the importance of um yeah social connections eh? like just mm. the amount of people that I've had facetiming me and stuff in the last week is just like like it's been so great because I think people do sort of realize how bored you'll be and then you and then you remember that you know you got all these great people that that, that, that love you and want to want to have a chat and I think Maybe sometimes, especially when you're traveling overseas, you can forget about people back home because yeah. you're making new friends and stuff. Whereas now I've had, you know, old friends from school and stuff calling and wanting to catch up. So um, that's been, yeah, that's probably been another takeaway from it all. So how do you socialize, do you think, over the next, however, six months or so? Is it all going to be yeah, that FaceTime type of thing, and FaceTime? And house party and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, It's going to be... Very strange. Well, it's strange, but what I've what I've admired, and I said this to Georgie before about your generation in particular, is your is the level of innovation you have, and the the, the level of um, flexibility, and how you find new ways to do old things, um, and and that's yeah. one of them, socialising, I, I I guess. But what are you then optimistic about? Now you've you've alluded to the fact that you know maybe do some more study and stuff like that, and that's. That's fantastic because mm. you're saying, okay, this is this is a, I, a wake up call. Um, definitely, so I'll be probably more resilient, uh, yeah. more patient as well. Yes, uh, I think it'll. 
it'll put a lot of problems into perspective, both just normally at home, kind of, you know, small inconveniences. I've also got a pretty positive outlook on how um, this is going to affect just the world as a whole. I, I, I think it's been, obviously, a shutdown is quite good for the environment. You know, there's probably a little bit less pollution going on right now. There's probably people realising that they don't need to do certain activities that they might normally do in terms of, um, you know, just not just anything really. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know, just having all those people stay home seems like it might be a, seems like it might be a uh, good way to let the earth heal a little bit. There's America's thing at the moment that if you just let, you know, if you just let a certain segment of society, um, you know, rot for, 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 years on years and then suddenly a global pandemic strikes they're the they're the the worst ones to be affected so it's all the you know the african-americans and hispanics and stuff in new york i've just have no there's no jobs no food no nothing for them and i think that'll make people realize that there's more important things in the share market and there's more important you know just and just sort of looking after each other it's a wake-up call like any of these um, tragedies are, and this will be the worst crisis in your life, certainly in mine. You know, and sure, and, yeah. and and it's how we perceive, you know, other things now. As you say, to be able to see the devastation that this is wreaking on places like, yeah. you know, the United States, where they're up to I saw four hundred and fifty-five thousand cases. In the United States, sixteen thousand three hundred and ninety deaths. That's just uh, puts things in perspective. As you say, you know, at the end of the day, look, Banff, who cares? You know, there's there's yeah. something else. Let's all reassess. But I know what you're saying. It's everyone has their own story. Um, mm. There's no judgment here on anyone. It's just you know what? If we can be better from this, and I think we will be. I think. People yeah. are going, and I hope it doesn't just, it's not just a temporary thing. And once we're all, you know, allowed outside, that everyone forgets what's happened. But I don't think they will. I well, think the devastation has yeah, been too the, much. No, I agree. I think it's the, the sort of um, not good thing, but the, the fact that this is an invisible enemy as opposed to some kind of, you know, um, you know, war or. Mm. Or anything like that. Like it's it's really put everyone in it, in the same boat. You know? It does, and 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 look, everyone has their own story, and that and they're <laughs> it's a really challenging time. But you're going to be out facing it in a couple of days, so um, look, good luck with that. I, I really appreciate your time, Nick. It's been a, it's getting a, a perspective from a lot of different people, so it it because it humanizes the the whole process. Yeah. And oh, no, um, sure. mate, there are some positives, it, it seems, and it, which is great. And, and you know, once you're out, you mm. can focus on those after you've walked uh, Rocky and had uh, yeah. four beers or something that's illegal <laughs> like four that. Four to six beers. Yeah. Four to six beers. You can have two <laughs> days' supply in one hit. Mate, thank you very much for your time. I look forward to catching up on the outside. All right, mate. Speak soon. See you, Nick. We'll have links in our show notes to the things we've discussed on this podcast. Check out our Instagram, This Corona Life, for photos of our guests and links. And take a look at the website, redgproductions.com. Thank you to my producer, Kiro Sullivan. I look forward to your company on our next episode of This Corona Life. Bye for now.